Welcome to Staffing in Sync, the podcast that brings you live panel discussions featuring the leading experts in the staffing industry and hosted by staffing consultant and trainer, Tom Erb. Staffing in Sync is produced and sponsored by SyncStream Solutions, the top provider of Affordable Care Act compliance for the staffing industry, and Essential Staff Care, the largest provider of health insurance and benefits for the staffing industry. Sit back, relax, and join our expert panelists as we dive into the latest staffing trends, insights, and expert opinions. Uh, joining us for Staffing in Sync, my name is Tom Erb, and uh, this is the podcast that brings you live panel discussions featuring the leading experts in the staffing industry. I'm excited to have this panel today. Um, we, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We already did just in the eight minutes before as we all jumped on. So uh, I'll introduce everybody at a high level, and then I'm going to ask everybody to talk a little bit more about themselves. We have Anna Frazetto, the chief Glo- or the global chief revenue officer of AirSwift, and also the co-author of Together We Rise. We have John Klimshen, the author of the Ultimate Sales Manager Guide and How to Sell Without Being a Jerk, as well as other books. And we have David Cerns, who is the co-CEO of Haley Marketing. So let me open it up. Anna, if you want to just talk a little bit more about your background, just give some people an idea of, of uh, what you've done and why you're here. Sure. So I've been in the staffing business probably more years than I care to admit. I think I was in denial when I first joined the staffing uh, industry, thinking that I was more IT focused because my background uh, was tech. I was a developer, programmer for years and was strictly on the tech side of things. And then slowly I joined the dark side of sales and uh, joined the company that was doing staffing. And now I'm at AirSwift, where we are a workforce uh, staffing solutions company providing talent in over 70 countries uh, worldwide. Great. Well, thanks. And thanks for joining us, Anna. Appreciate it. Um, John, how about you? Well, uh, I've been thinking about how you introduced us and said that this is the, it's a group of leading experts in the staffing industry. I have no idea what I'm doing here. So, <laughs> I, you know, I've heard of Anna and I've listened to her before and, <clears throat> and when I'm at uh, trade shows and events like two weeks ago. And I know that David is there. I, I try to eavesdrop on his conversation so I hear what the great wisdom is that he's sharing with other humans. So my first professional selling job was running a desk, uh, which uh, may not be the current terminology. I ran a desk in lower Manhattan. I worked in the industry for close to nine years uh, in a variety of different positions. And the industry has always had a very special place in my heart because I didn't realize, Anna, I didn't realize getting into it that it was a sales job. When that clicked, when I made that mental transformation that we were selling something that did not exist, which which is potential, that that excited me. Being a creative person, that it, it seemed as though we were writing stories together that were really exciting and really thrilling. And to see the impact that we had on people's lives, that really resonated with me very deeply. So uh, as we go forward, we'll hopefully I'll be able to share some insights that are useful to the folks that have logged on or are watching this after the original recording. So Tom, I'm, uh, I'm kind of uh, taken aback and thrilled and uh, I'm going to stay on as, as long as you uh, don't shut off my camera. <laughs> well, good. Well, thanks, John. <clears throat> and John uh, is with us for, for a couple of reasons. One is because he does have the um, connection with the recruiting and staffing industry, but also you you go much broader than that, which I think is really important for us to have that additional perspective. And then the third reason is because when I started in staffing, doing, uh, doing sales management, I picked up John's book. Uh, and it was very, uh, it was it was a huge benefit for me. So that's why I've asked John to come along. So uh, yeah, uh, appreciate having you here. Appreciate that, uh, David. Well, I will I will jump on the the John bandwagon for a moment because we were at a conference together a couple of weeks ago. Two different people walk up to me and were so excited, John, that you were there because they said, well, "John doesn't know it, but my career in staffing I owe to John." So there was some really kind words being said about you. And then there were the other words, but I won't tell you about those. (laughs) (laughs) Text them to me, man. Text me. (laughs) As for me, um, sort of like Anna, I grew up in the IT world. Um, I was actually a developer, came out of college with that, came out of grad school and started a software company. And as uh, luck or fate would have it, I wasn't that good at running an IT business. 
but I was in the same businesses or same building as my parents' staffing company. And uh, unlike the rest of the people on this call, um, I hated sales. And uh, the opportunity came to learn a lot about marketing and the opportunity came to put marketing into mom and dad's business. And I've convinced my dad, who was an old school numbers, staff, staffing sales as a funnel, uh, that you could actually make the funnel work better with some marketing. And we helped double their business before they sold it in 98. Um, my company was born in 96, just before we were done, Haley Marketing. And uh, today, that's what we do is find lots of ways to help everybody in the industry find better ways to sell and recruit. Great. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's funny how a lot of us stumble into sales and then ultimately into marketing. I, I wanted to be an HR professional coming out of college. And I ended up getting a job in the staffing industry and did that for six years as a, as a recruiter, as an on-site manager, a branch manager. And then at one point I had an opportunity to do new business development and never done it before. And I go, wow, this is, this is pretty fun and uh, enjoyed doing that and then did other things. So it is funny how we kind of stump, first stumble into staffing and then stumble into sales as well. So um well, thank you all for the introduction. And again, I'm, I'm excited to have this group here. It's a, it's a good, diverse group. Um, so let's start off. Let me ask just high-level, big-picture question. What are you seeing in the economy? And, and let me frame that a little bit. Um, you know, I'm on calls frequently with staffing companies, all different industries, all different, uh, all different staffing verticals all around the country. And we're seeing mixed things. Uh, but what, one of the things we're definitely seeing is we've gone from this, why should I sell from nine, 12 months ago? I, I have too many jobs, I, why should I sell? To all of a sudden, I need more sales, I need more orders. Uh, and we've seen that fairly widespread. But I, let me ask you all, what, what are you seeing in the economy? And whoever would like to start off, feel free. Sure. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll kind of get the conversation going. I think sometimes we create our own problems, right? Because what happens is like you you listen to um, the economy, inflation and what's going to happen. And then companies start getting really nervous and they pull back and they say, OK, we're kind of we're going to wait and see. We're not you know, we're not going to do anything. But then after they do that for. Uh, for a few months, it's like, okay, well, we have to do something. And then they start with whatever initiatives or projects that they have on the table. And then they start, you know, kind of um, being selective in the hiring process and, and starting, you know, getting the ball rolling. So I think, I think it's a mishmash. I, I am seeing that the economy is picking up as far as companies looking to hire um, contractors again and direct hire again and and direct hire is always like the trigger right to see how the how the world is is getting on so I'm starting to see a little bit of an uptick uh, and our you know and luckily we've been very fortunate that we're seeing a steady increase in the contracting space yeah good John how about you as Anna is speaking, I'm taking notes because I know that when Anna talks or when David talks, I should be taking notes. It's one of the thrilling <laughs> things about being here. I have and good it, things it, to say too. Praise. Here's it, so. Listen, Tom, you didn't <laughs> gather this group because you know people wanted to hear platitudes or you know, yeah, Ray, you know, everything's going to be great. Don't worry about it. The you were kind enough to point out my book. The first three words in that book are vision precedes everything. Now he's going to, and he's going to pull it open and make sure, oh, really? What about the copyright page? It's in there. Trust me. Once you get to the actual content beyond the introduction. So wh why do I say that? Vision precedes everything. Where companies get into trouble is that they look at their map of the world by holding it this close. When the map is that close, I have no perspective. I cannot figure out how to get from Colorado to New Mexico. Can't do it because the map is held this close. When we were together, David, and we were together in Chicago for the Midwestern Staffing Association, we did these roundtables. And there was a very nice woman who sat with me and said, my boss is asking me for numbers. They, he wants numbers, numbers, numbers. And I said, okay, how much time do you have? And she put the pen down and she leaned back and folded her arms and said, I, I didn't even think to ask. Immediate results 
are not what vision is about. And that doesn't mean that it will not yield us immediate results. What it means is that the more we focus on what, we're, what we need to have happen right now, the less opportunity we have to think more broadly and to paint a vision. Leaders have to paint a vision. And when we have a vision of where we want to be, whether it's nine weeks, nine months, or nine years from now, nine years sounds like an eternity, when we can step back and say, where do I want to be nine weeks from today? What do I want the feeling in the office or among the team to be? And who do I want to be doing business with? One of my exercises with leaders, Tom, is that I want them to be able to give me five words that describe who they want to hire. And for salespeople, give me five words that describe who you want to sell to. My five words are funny, smart, visionary, authentic, and hungry. That's who I out. That's who I like to work with. I want to be around people and I want those people to pay me significant fees because they're funny, smart, visionary, authentic, and hungry. So yeah. the the ability to articulate a vision is a sales action and activity. So the leader articulating a vision should ask that the salesperson be able to take that vision and put it into practice on their desk, in their realm, in their market, in their vertical, whatever it might be. And the next step of that, uh, beyond vision precedes everything, is vision, in my view, Vision is imagination put to work. When David puts together a campaign for a company, one of the first things he's going to ask is, so who do you want as customers? Right, David? Absolutely. Who do you want? Not how much money do you want to make? Who do you want as customers? And, and will those folks and the volume of work with them, will that fuel and feed your bottom line? Businesses exist for one reason and one reason only. And if you are in sales and you're watching this, guess what? You kind of have a business and that business is to pay for your desk. Businesses exist for one reason and one reason only. And, and that is to generate profit, not to make money because I can make money, but I can spend it three times as fast. <laughs> so the, that my th where I'd like to start, Tom, is yeah. what's the vision? Put that vision to work because worrying about what's happening today. Here's the thing from my book, the how to sell without being a jerk. If you want new business today, today is a little late to start working on it. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and it's the whole, uh, it's the old adage of the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best, best time to plant a tree is today. Right. Um, so I think you bring up a great point. And we do see that is that when we start to see a little bit of a slowdown, People go into panic mode and all of a sudden it's, you know, we're getting requests of how do I get business now? Well, if it was that easy to get business now, we would have been doing that the whole time, right? <laughs> so, but now all of a sudden we're wanting to cut corners. We're wanting to have instant results from something that, that does take some time. So I think it's a great point to say, continue to look at your vision, continue to, to look down the road as opposed to make knee-jerk reactions to, quite frankly, something that may not be real anyways, because if I talk to three prospects and they go, yeah, we're, I'm not buying right now, that doesn't mean that everybody is not buying. Right. And that's well, what we see right a lot now is, uh, I love the phrase right now, what you're making me think of before, before I, I dial it back and let somebody else talk is... One of my idols is the musician, composer, uh, visionary, Frank Zappa. And he saw himself first and foremost as a composer and then a musician and then a band leader. And he said, the modern composer refuses to die. I adopted that, adapted that to the selling universe. The adept cold caller will never go hungry. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. David, how about you? What are you seeing? So um, I remember that one of the things my dad used to say is that um, a recession is when your competitor's business grows, goes down and a de depression is when yours does. <laughs> and I think I'm seeing a lot of people at the recession state, they're hearing things going on in the market more than right. they're seeing a lot of the pain right now, but they're, they're afraid. And a couple of things we've, we have seen is that um, the buying process has gotten harder. We're seeing more of our clients' clients, that instead of one individual being the decision maker, 
they're going to multiple decision makers. And now if I'm in sales, I don't just have to know how to sell to human resources or sell to a, a department that I had that I'm used to selling to. I need to know how to sell to the value for the HR manager, for that department head, for an economic buyer. It's a much more complex message. And what we're seeing is a lot of the people in our industry in sales have come into the industry since 2009, which means in their entire business career, they have never seen a downturn. They don't know what this thing is. Yeah, they, they saw a pandemic, but that was new for all of us. And it didn't, you know, that didn't behave normally like a recession does. I would say based on what we're seeing in our clients, we're not at recession yet, but we're in that time where it starts to get harder to sell and you have to start changing your messaging, changing your strategy if you're going to bring in, as John said, a tomorrow's business. Yeah. And, and you know what, Dave, if I could just add to that, Dave, I, I think that we've seen that process. So you mentioned 2009, but I mean, if you look at the 2000s, we, we've gone through the ebbs and flows of it's easy to sell, it's hard to sell, it's easy to sell, it's hard to like we've seen this happen over and over again. So again, going back to the messaging as the key point of how do you attract how do you attract your client? What's your hook? Yeah. Hey. Go ahead, Jeff. Oddly enough, I have a thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to take incoming orders. It is difficult to sell. Always will be. When yep. everything is great. So, you know, I don't need to sell. Really? Right. This is when you're constantly selling, whether or not it's a conscious act to go and secure new business or not. You're selling. You're selling your current clients on, on what you do and how good you are and how soon they should pay you. You're selling your, your, your candidates on why they should contract or work with or go to work with you. We're constantly selling. It's easy to take incoming business. It's yep. difficult to go out and find it. Well, and the incoming business in a lot of cases is not the best business, right? Because what's happening is, is that you're getting, and what we saw in the last few years was that the phone was actually ringing in these staffing offices with prospects. Well, I've been doing this for 29 years. The phone didn't ring before that. We weren't, I mean, I don't remember as a salesperson and I was a salesperson for many years. I don't remember very many prospects calling and going, Hey, Tom, there's a prospect on the phone for you. I go, I, I would have been shocked. And so you got to think about, well, why is that person calling in? Well, usually it is a, uh, an uninformed buyer that's not used to using staffing or recruiting. They don't want to do it, but they've run out of decisions. They've started to Google and go look at different companies. And so they're reaching out to you and then they become what I call the resentful buyer which is, I don't want to be doing this. I've always filled these jobs on my own, but now I'm down to the point where I'm desperate. So I'm reaching out to a staffing company or a recruiting company. And, oh, your markup is what? You make how much money on this? Your fee is what? And so it a lot of times that incoming business wasn't the best business anyways. The best business is to go out and, and get the people that aren't you know, knocking on your door. Uh, so I totally agree with that, John. The, the one other thing I'll say about that, that I'm seeing. Um, and, you know, I, I have a, probably about 25 to 30 meetings a week with staffing companies all across different uh, verticals. And I've seen a couple of things. One is that the companies that let their foot off the gas or completely stop selling are, are seeing the slowdown much greater than the ones that have kept their foot on the, on the gas pedal. Um, and that's not surprising. And it's because some of that easier stuff is, is dried up a bit. The other thing that I'm seeing too is that because the talent pool has softened a little bit, and we've gone from 12 million open jobs down to about nine and a half million, which is still a huge, huge number, we now have um, clients and prospects that are going, oh, talent shortage, that problem's over. The people have come back now. I can now either consolidate my vendors from five staffing companies to two, or I can just bring it back in house. So to me, I think it's a it's an overcorrection, but it also shows um, if you're not one of those two vendors that it got consolidated down, you haven't done a good enough job of developing the relationships with these clients, mm. right? And so we need to get out there and be doing the things that we used to do pre-COVID, which is having lunch, 
having coffee, bringing them things, coming up with reasons to, to sit down and talk with them, doing quarterly reviews, all of those things. So there's a lot of things that are going into it. Anna, you, you brought up that you felt there was an uptick. We're seeing that too. I, I think it's an overcorrection. It's the pendulum swung so hard and now it's starting to come back down and it's going to start to, to balance out a bit. And who knows what the future holds with inflation and interest and all that stuff. But, um, and the other thing to look at too is that in the US, you know, it's not one economy, it's 10,000 micro economies. And, and so people are doing different, you know, I'll have somebody in North Carolina that's crushing it. And I'll have somebody that's in Michigan that's really struggling. So first time in my lifetime that I have not lived within 30 minutes of a major city. I, I was born and raised in New York. I started my selling career in New, in New York City. I lived in Southern California, a stone's throw from Los Angeles and Santa Monica. I'm now in Southwest Idaho and the nearest city is a fraction of the size of what I'm accustomed to. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of really interesting things going on here because of the entrepreneurial bent and because of the everything from light manufacturing to high tech. There's a company called Micron that makes um, semiconductors and their campus <laughs> is massive. This is, this is a really interesting, for you to say that the micro economy, that I've been searching for a way to describe what goes on here in Southwest Idaho, and that's what it is. I mean, yeah. I lived outside of LA. There were eight, that was eight and a half million people in the entire <laughs> state of Idaho. It's two point two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's definitely been a lot of changes around that as well. Yeah. So, um, I want to bring up to people who are listening to the live cast. You're listening to this recording, it doesn't apply. But uh, if you type your questions into the Q&A, we will go through and pick some questions throughout as well. Um, there is one question already that's in there and uh, it says, uh, really industry-based with regards to the economy. Curious as to which fields Anna has seen the increase in. Anna, you have, are you seeing specific areas of increase? Well, I, I, I've seen some increase in tech, right? So when you look at the tech space, Right. Um, definitely increases when you look at renewable energy, power, infrastructure, construction type of infrastructure, uh, seeing an uptick, uptick in, the, in those spaces. Yeah, good. Yeah. So, um, uh, David, how about you? Are you, you seeing any increases in any of your niche clients? And I'm going to sound like a broken record. It's it's companies that are supporting really infrastructure building. So there's so much money being invested by the government in construction projects that you don't have to be a prime contractor, but if you're supporting the secondary contractors, they need people. Um, sort of the op opposite, um, we we're just talking to people in Michigan and they said the autos are cutting back on theirs, which impacts a lot of the central yeah. Northern states. Yeah, yeah, seeing the same thing. Um, you know, uh, healthcare certainly has its challenges, partly because of the COVID rates um, going away, and and also, you know, they're 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 seeing a lot of the of that client where we're going to try this on our own now. We're going to, you know, and and what I keep telling them is that's not sustainable. You've got uh, nurses retiring at a, at such a rapid rate, and we're just getting out of the profession. Um, and just not enough coming back in. So it's not sustainable, but it hurts now. Uh, we are seeing variations in light, light industrial staffing. We're seeing some areas where supply chain warehouse is doing really well. And we're seeing other areas where it slowed a bit. Uh, and that's geographic and also based on, on what kind, what they're supporting more so. Um, and uh, interesting comments, school districts have increased in staffing needs as well. So uh, uh, good uh, a good discussion. So let me go to the next question. So one of the trends that I've seen, and I've been talking about this for a while, is that it used to be that sales was over here and marketing was over here and they kind of interacted a little bit and sales would ask marketing for some stuff, but it was really very separate. And, and as we've seen technology change and we've just seen the way that people buy, it seems to me that, um, that, we're really seeing more and more of a convergence of sales and marketing. And so I'll, since David, that's your wheelhouse there, I'll start it off with you. Am I on track there? Is that what you're seeing? So it's interesting. And if I look back to when we started, it was 
entirely to put marketing around sales because there was no marketing supporting salespeople in the industry. And I think what's happened over the last 12 to 14 years is marketing has really started to grow up in the staffing business. So it was rare in the early 2000s to find a staffing company that had internal marketing people if you weren't, unless you were a really big staffing company. Today, it's rare to find a staffing company without some level of internal marketing. But most of that has been around recruiting and brand kind of marketing. And there needs to be a lot more of marketing sitting in the sales meetings, marketing, listening to the clients, marketing, hearing the objections, and figuring out how to help salespeople convey the value of the services that staffing companies provide. Um, There's still not enough integration there, Tom, but I think it's better, but it's got a long way to go. Yeah, I think that a lot of the companies that have figured it out, it is much more intertwined. Is is that safe to say? Absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I don't want to paint everybody in the same, with the same brush, but there are, there are companies where marketing does sit in. And you see the companies that are really embracing tools like automation, where they're thinking about how marketing and sales are going to go more hand in hand. And how do we create more of a funnel from the, the, the warm marketing qualified lead coming in until somebody's really ready to talk to sales until we nurture the relationships because they're ready to look at a new staffing vendor. Yeah, absolutely. Anna, any thoughts on that? Yeah, my goodness. You know, marketing is something that I am uh, equally passionate about uh, when I talk about marketing and sales. To me, they are, it's so critical to have them hand in hand with each other. Because actually, David, you brought up a good point as far as, you know, brand branding. Uh, I think, Tom, you had said more branding related. What's going to make somebody buy from you? It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I need staffing and it becomes a transactional type of activity. The buyer is more educated and therefore wants to know why am I going to buy from, you know, uh, option A versus option B. And this is where marketing plays such a significant role in being able to shape that message, that story, and how you present yourself as to what makes you a better candidate than your uh, your competition. The same thing for the candidates. When the candidates are looking at who's going to represent them and put their name forward, they're also evaluating based on the messaging and and what are they going to get out of the relationship as opposed to just being a match, you know, matching A to B, company B kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's critical. I saw the change probably when. Um, Digital transformation became such a important component to organizations as they were kind of shifting the way they operated. And that's where I started to see that marketing started to get really married and interconnected with sales. Yeah, yeah. John, thoughts? Well, one of the most visionary things that I have seen that reminded me of the the realization that recruiting is a sales job. Recruiting is also a a marketing job because what we do is we sell the candidate that this is quote, a great company to work for. I've never worked there, but I believe it. (laughs) And we sell the company. Wow, this person is perfect for the role. Mm, I've spoken to them a couple of times, checked their references and looked at their LinkedIn stuff. That's about as deep as we can possibly go. One of the most visionary things I've seen over the last couple of years is a client of mine that is a tech company. They're an advisory firm. And a year and a half ago, with 16 employees, they decided to hire a full-time recruiter. And they added 10 people last year, one of which was a director of marketing. And the director of marketing, in the first 30 minutes of her being in the role, was we are going to focus our attention on how we attract talent. Because uh, first, first person that, that gave me a management role told me, your people, as of today, are your precious inventory. And oh, by the way, they're out talking to their friends about what it's like to work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so marketing is a, this is who we are as an organization. This is how we think, how we operate, how we respond to what goes on within the org. And I got to tell you, this this is a tight knit group. And now 
18 months later, there are 35 people. The, it's not just about adding bodies. It's about, does the person fit? They just added a, mm -hmm. a person in a leadership position and the other three leaders, each of them said to me, I don't want to spend an hour with this person finding out what they've done. I want to learn who they are. That will tell us whether or not they fit. And that's, that's you know, that kind of makes people uncomfortable a little bit. Do they fit in the culture? Well, the culture is going to either adopt the vision or crush it. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, David, you could, you know, I'm happy to debate this with you if you think I'm wrong, but marketing is, is, a, is a recruiting function as much as a attract clients function. I'm not going to argue. I 100% agree that uh, yeah. what your what your brand is all about, how you promote that, how you're seen by potential internal candidates and the people you're placing is critical. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all marketing. Uh, there's a a really good book by Daniel Pink um, called "To Sell Is Human," and mm -hmm. one of the things that he talks about is this whole shift of of buyer beware to salesperson beware to seller beware and um, he talks about the fact, and, and it goes along with what Anna was saying in particular, is that we have knowledge-based buyers now. And the days of picking up the phone and calling them and saying, oh, yeah, sure, I'll give you a shot is is not here as much, right? It's, it, you know, you, again, you got to be skeptical if they all of a sudden go, yeah, I could use your help. What they are going to do is they're going to vet you out. They're going to go look at your website. They're going to go look at your your LinkedIn profile, they're going to run Google searches of you, they're going to do all this stuff. So having that marketing material, along with your sales process, you can really, you can say, hey, tell you what, I know that you need more information about us. I know you're going to be skeptical by nature of a salesperson, because you've probably been burned by a salesperson before that promised you everything. So here is the proof. And that's where marketing comes in a lot of times is that kind of that reinforcement of what the salesperson is saying. I talk about how great my company is, but then I go, here's the marketing to back it up. And that's what testimonials, case studies, you know, other types of, of marketing materials. So I, I do think it's all going together. I think that from an automation standpoint, it's now easier to get hold of automation. Automation is in everything. We have automation in different ATSs. We have automation in all the different uh, sales CRM, standalone CRMs. Uh, there's, you know, it's easier than ever to automate. And with automation, you got to have the the marketing piece, right? You got to have marketing. If you're going to go and send emails out to them every week or two, well, you got to send them something. You can't just keep saying, Hey, are you, are you looking for people? Are you looking for people? Right. So, uh, there's a couple other questions that have come in. So let me, uh, let me go through here real quick. Uh, at several clients that have seen a drop in needing staffing because of the supply chain demands post COVID, they now have too much inventory. I'm in Texas. Has anyone else seen this? Anything? Um, anybody want to comment on that? Yeah, I have not seen too much inventory, so I, I can't comment. Sorry, I don't understand. Yeah, I th I think what was that? <laughs> uh, I, that was my watch that just decided to talk. Uh, <laughs> Siri didn't have an answer either. No, okay. yeah, exactly. Sorry, I, I thought we threw it into Chat GPT, and that's what it was. Um, <laughs> just don't ask Siri where to hide a dead body. Right. Uh, but Tom, Tom, if I can jump in, you know, I, yeah, I think absolutely. everyone's going to see that where where clients are going to say, "Oh, we have no needs." Um, it may be because we have plenty of inventory, may just be because it's slow down in their own business. And you have to step back and ask yourself, all right, under what circumstances is that business going to hire or replace? Under what circumstances might they be proactive and looking to upgrade their staff or take on new projects? This is the selling. We need to think about the reasons for an employer to use your services when they're description of the world is we don't need anybody because that's where you can create demand. If you wait for the demand to come back, all you can do is keep chasing until you find somebody who does have current demand. Right. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, and I would say that, you know, it goes back to John was talking about that people put the map right in front of their face. 
a lot of times we talk to one or two clients and we think that's a trend, right? We think that, and, and that client absolutely may be slowing down that has nothing to do with the economy. It's a trend right? that validates my, my fear or my that's opinion. Right. If I talk and to two can, people and they both say the same thing, okay, good, I don't have to bother anymore. And, one of the, the, the moment, the, my favorite moment so far, and they keep going up in, in, in ranking, is to sit here and listen to a marketing guy, I'm pointing there because that's where he is on my screen, right. to listen to a marketing guy preach about what selling is all about. When sales and marketing understand each other, and that is not an easy space to achieve nor to inhabit, when they understand each other, now you got an organization that's truly bent on growing. This company I'm referring to, this tech advisory firm, that marketing person came in and the first thing they did was put themselves on the calendar of all 11 salespeople. Let's spend an hour together. Five of those salespeople said, we should spend an hour together every month. And she has done that up until now. When sales yeah. and marketing, sorry if I raise my voice, get a little worked up. When sales and marketing are in harmony, you are positioned to grow. Why? Because what marketing did in my experience is that they removed the excuses for the salespeople. Yep. When marketing removes the excuses, then all of a sudden the salespeople get to, to, to be the tip of the spear. They get to go out and they get to, they get to engage in the activity, to engage in the conversations. And when I say go out, I mean, are, are we bag toters? Are we knocking on doors? Hey, if that's the path, then make sure that you have it planned in advance so that you can execute. And when salespeople come back and they say to marketing, here's what we're hearing. First thing, when I was running offices and salespeople come back and say, like you said, Tom, well, you know, I'm seeing a trend. Really? Show me the data. Right, right. Well, I spoke to four people. Mm, that's that's right. not a trend, yo. Four people's not a trend. <laughs> I, I agree. And and we and it is um, you know, we've got this self-fulfilling prophecy where we will find proof to reinforce our suspicions or our fears, like you were talking about. Um, and I'm not saying that the person who posted on here that that you're doing that. What I am saying is that it's if that one particular company is struggling for whatever reason, it doesn't mean that that's what everybody is doing. What it means is that that particular company is struggling or that particular company is having a self-fulfilling prophecy where they are saying, you know what? It seems like things are slowing down. I'm seeing what's going on out in Silicon Valley. I'm hearing about the chip crisis we're going to take actions that basically make it true. And that's, so we're seeing that a lot too, is that it's not just the, the staffing company or the salespeople that are having this self-fulfilling prophecy of it. it. It feels like it's slowing down or I think it's slowing down, so I'm going to slow down. It could be one, two, three levels higher. It could be their client that's doing that, their client's clients that's doing that, the client's 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 doing that. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And it could just be that that company unrelated, their business isn't doing as well. So there's just a lot of things that go into it. And uh, Ron Hetrick from Lightcast was on our last podcast. And he said something towards the end that uh, it stuck with me is he said, beware of false prophets. You've got, you don't, don't believe what you're what you're seeing out there in, in especially on media those types of things media is meant to create issues meant because if if you, if you're concerned about it you're going to watch them more you're going to tune in more um and uh also it's just it's better news than what they've got so yeah john the two nemeses if that's the right plural of nemesis the two nemeses of salespeople are now and need Someone now says, I what? don't need what you're offering. Oh. Well, that would be a miracle if because I've decided to call on you. You happen to need it today. Right. That's right. Every selling conversation needs to be about the future. Yeah. Whether great. that future is yeah. next week or next month. Yep. Great point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. We got another. Um, here's a question. Prospecting. What are the best sources for making prospect lists? Does anybody have, have um, any kind of of sources that they look at for creating prospect lists. I know this is a common challenge. It's, it can be very time consuming for sales reps. For us, we're using, uh, I saw somebody in the, in the questions using Zoom, 
info grid source, we're yeah. using seamless AI, but like any, any data source, you're expecting 70, 80% of the names to be accurate. And you got to figure out what am I going to do to, to validate before I jump out into the field and start calling on everybody. So do I send out a mailing? Do I test with an email? Um, do I just pick up the phone and see, is John Smith still working there? But I want to do something to verify the names before I turn it into a marketing or sales campaign. Yep. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Lucia? I read about it, haven't tried it. I have, yeah, I haven't tried it, but I was going to say Zoom Info, you can couple also by looking at LinkedIn, right, to kind of see if those people are still, you know, current and, and valid. Yeah. Seamless AI is similar to that, right, David? Yeah, it is. They're both just, they're online sources that are using um, AI and algorithms to sort of aggregate data together. It, we've we've found it's been pretty good, but, you know, probably between 70 and 85% accurate. So it's kind of disheartening when you send out a bunch of mail and a lot of them come back, but that's what you're expecting the first time you send it out to a cold list. Well, and we also, if you think about it, you know, pr prior to COVID, when we were able to track things a little better, I haven't seen new statistics, but pr just prior to COVID, the average tenure in the US was three years. So if you think about it, a third of the workforce turns over every year, which means, 75, 80% accuracy is actually pretty good because it means they're keeping up better than a year out for the most part. It's just a, I can't imagine how hard that job is with Zoom Info and Seamless and all of those to, to keep that data accurate. Um, but uh, we see the same numbers about 75 to 80%, particularly on Zoom Info. Zoom Info uh, has, has got more competitive. There's more competition out there. There is a new one out there that uh, a couple of my clients are using and have had success with. It's called Apollo, uh, and it seems to be a legitimate uh, competitor to Zoom Info. And then, John, to your point about Lucia, uh, do use Lucia. Lucia actually gives you a certain number of free credits a month if you sign up, um, and uh, it has a nice Google Chrome uh, plugin that'll when you go to LinkedIn, it'll pop right up. Uh, contact out is another one, Zap Info. Uh, there's also um, uh, Hunter.io. A lot of people know about that. And that's a place where you can do several things. You can go and get email addresses. You can validate email addresses. Uh, you can look for uh, email naming conventions. There's different ways that you can use Hunter. So different price points there too, with Zoom being at the top and, and then the others uh, being a little bit... Um, a little bit more cost-effective, but maybe not as robust. Zoom info is extremely robust. So, good question. Um, how do you think AI is going to impact sales and marketing? Oh, that's one of my questions later on. Let's just go ahead and talk about that now. So, AI, what do you think? Uh, all my questions were generated by ChatGPT anyways. So. Good, good. Yeah. Oh, there you go. God forbid you should have to put in any thought. <laughs> right. What right. would be some good questions for a sales and marketing podcast? I should right. have done that. I should have done you that. Should. It would have been interesting to compare. I think, look, AI is kind of like the next evolution, the next phase of, of uh, technology. But with everything in life, there needs to kind of be a balance. I, I've seen uh, sales uh, people use it to kind of craft uh, intro uh, emails that are being sent out, but then they're customized. You got to have the human touch, right? So maybe it does 60% of the legwork kind of gets it started for you, but then you, you can customize it and get it to a hundred percent. So definitely a place for it, but I think it just needs to be used the right way. Great. So we've got a, about a 10 person task force right now, just reach, researching AI tools and we view it as being completely transformational in the world of marketing. Um, if you looked at some of the top jobs to be eliminated, if we've got any marketers listening, uh, you're not gonna be replaced by AI, but you could be replaced by somebody using AI. The level of productivity improvement mm -hmm. for people in marketing incorporating AI into their workflow is astonishing. Yeah. The, 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 not just the rate of speed, but the level of quality. And I was reading an article that our team shared last night that was actually not in marketing or sales. It was in the customer service world. And they were using AI with teams in the Philippines where they had a, a co-pilot AI that had evaluated every help ticket the organization had ever answered and every conversation they had had with clients. 
This is a big company with 5,000 agents. They said they could take somebody with less than two months experience and instantly have them performing at the level of somebody with six months experience. So they, were, they also radically reduced their turnover because they didn't have those unskilled reps at the beginning who burned out. So I just, if, if in sales, it's probably gonna be a little bit different. I think it's gonna ex- improve outreach, but it's also gonna make selling harder because everybody's gonna use some sort of AI automation tool and kill prospecting. That's gonna be a challenge for us. How do you break through the clutter? But for the marketers who are listening in, you can do so much more so quickly with a higher level of quality. It, it turns juniors into seniors overnight. Yeah. I have dabbled with it, specifically in the realm of my fiction writing because I'm working on a historical novel and I wanted to make sure that I not only got the language right, but I got the part of the journey of one of the characters right. The speed and accuracy with which it came back with something that completely opened my mind was, what, what was the word you used, David? Astounding? Yes. It is astounding. Until artificial intelligence can look someone in the eye and ask them a question based on what they've just heard, I think salespeople are safe. Um, notice I didn't say when, I said until. Until, right. I don't know if it's an if. Here's the thing. Honestly, my age, I hope I'm out of it <laughs> before, <laughs> before AI right. salespeople start showing up. Yeah, right. Well, Tom, you mentioned using an AI note taker. I don't know if you're using one. I'm using one that does not only note taking, it summarizes the call, yeah. recaps the to-dos, and provides point-by-point sediment analysis. So you can see when you said something and your prospect took it the wrong way. Yeah, 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 mine does. Yeah, the one I use is Fireflies. And yeah. uh, we've been, I've been using that now for two months. I can tell you that I did it on a free trial. It had a 24-hour trial. Within an hour of using it, I signed up for the whole year. It... Um, I use it, like I said, I'm on 25 to 30 meetings a week. I record those meetings. It has allowed me to stop actually taking notes, which for some people taking notes is a method of active listening or, you know, us shiny object people, note taking is distracting and we're not very good at it. And so to me, it has freed me up to be able to have more intensive uh, conversations and be more in the conversation. And it does a better job of taking notes. It, um, it does summarize it. It puts it in an outline. It adds to do's. Um, and, and it's, and it's a relatively inexpensive tool. It's so something like fireflies and it's not the only one out there. There's a bunch of them. You, you said you use one, uh, David. What, what yeah, we're using a, a, a red.ai, which is red. AI. but then Copilot's coming out as well with Microsoft as part of the, th- the 365. Um, and so there's different, um, there's some different options out there. It, the one I use is 15 bucks a month. What's it um, called again? Fireflies, Fireflies. AI. Uh, it's great. I mean, it, it has practical applications for salespeople who are on calls with clients and they want to take good notes and they want to be able to, to put together the right proposal. Mm. Um, it could be to your point, David, the, where it does, it has positive, negative and neutral sentiment. It has all sorts of different applications it could be good for recruiters doing interviews uh, and being able to, to summarize that and put it right into their profile. There's all sorts of different things. I use chat. John, I'm happy to know it tells you if you talk too fast and your audience can't understand you. So it does. I'm yes. it today. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, I run about 150 words a minute. My my top uh, one is 220. One of my clients is 220 words a minute. Wow. So yeah. Um so well, the joke, Tom, is is that I speak at 400 with gusts of up to 450. <laughs> <Gusts> of, <yeah. laughs> The other tool that I use all the time is ChatGPT. I, I have it up and running all the time. And, and from a sales standpoint, some of the things that I've done um, with clients as well as with myself is uh, taking an email that maybe is too lengthy 
And, and so, you know, we have the our 10-week sales process with multiple emails and phone calls and those types of things. And sometimes we'll get into them and, and they get a little bit wordy. And then you can throw them into chat GPT and say, make this more succinct or have this be a different tone. And particularly for people who, um, who maybe aren't really good with spelling, uh, which there's a large number of people out there that aren't that great at spelling, or they're not that great at grammar, or they're not that great at putting together uh, really professional emails. You can write up what you have. It can be a mess. And you take it, copy and paste it into ChatGPT and say, make this succinct, more professional, more positive, more whatever, and it'll come back and do it. And if you don't like how it is, you hit regenerate and it'll do something completely sure. new. And that's one of the things we did. The other day I was talking to one of my clients and we were talking about uh, their market and they were talking about who they should go after. And all I did was said, um, what are what are the top employers in this particular market? And now ChatGPT only has data to 2021 intentionally. They only uploaded it to 2021. And it tells you that up front. But it still came back with a great list. And yeah, I can go to the book of lists. And yeah, I can go to other stuff. But it goes out to all the information and aggregates it. And you could get even more specific with that. Um, there's just so many different applications that make things easier. I can take my notes when I do take notes, when I'm not using that third party or that uh, AI note taker. I can take my little bullet point notes, throw it into chat GPT and say, summarize these notes. And it'll come back in sentences, in paragraphs, in, in whatever we want to do. So there's huge applications that, um, and I, I don't think it's going to replace salespeople. I don't think it's going to replace good recruiters. It's what it's going to do, I think, is really free us up is going to help scale. That, that's what I see. Exactly. It's going to increase productivity and it's going to make us all more efficient and effective, I think, on the sale on the sale side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just looking at the we only have time for maybe one or two more questions. So I was just kind of looking through some. So I'm sorry I won't be able to get all of those. Um, uh, there is a question. How important do you all think social media branding is? Um, and the question was Reels, TikTok. David, I'll, I'll let you start off with these areas. You know, yeah, talk about your TikTok. Uh, I was going to say, disclaimer, I'm, I'm in sort of in that world and I hate social media. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do think it, you have to look at where your customer is today and where tomorrow's customer is. Instagram, TikTok. Okay, the demographics, not that they're not fairly broad today, but the primary users of the platform how are they using it and why are they going there? There are some people, some 20-somethings who are being very effective at doing career coaching and teaching people how to write resumes. Um, I don't remember the name of the individual, but she had an amazing TikTok site where she was teaching people coming out of college how to find your first job. And she actually made a full career out of using TikTok to teach people how to find their first job. The irony is she didn't have to find her first job. Um, <laughs> but I think for most of us in the industry, we're chasing every shiny object on social media without thinking about, is our customer there? How are they spending the time there? And that is, is that the most efficient and effective way to reach the decision maker, the staffing buyer we want to reach? Generally speaking, no. The only asterisk I put at the end of it is when they go to check out your brand, where are they going to go look? And if you're not there at all, that says one thing. If you're there and there's been no update in four years, that actually says something worse. So if you commit to a platform, commit to the platform. Yeah, good point. Any, anybody else thoughts on social media? Yeah, I, I agree, David. I, I almost feel like you have to be in it. You, you, you have to be in it because you need to be able to attract, especially on the candidate side, you need to be able yeah. to attract you know, north, south, east, west, you want to be able to get a full, a full breadth of, of supply. Yeah, and I was focusing mostly on the selling side for social. I do think on the recruiting side, it is a requirement to be there because I, especially with our dependence on job boards, if we don't want to have it, we need a really strong social recruiting program. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I still think from a sales standpoint, LinkedIn is by far the most important social media platform 
Uh, it's, you know, LinkedIn has all sorts of data. There's actually more U.S. profiles on LinkedIn than there are people between the ages of 18 and 65. Uh, and of course, they don't all match up, but but the, the, the saturation rate as far as working people um, on LinkedIn is extremely high, especially when you're talking white collar, which is a lot of what we sell to, obviously. Um, and so they're on there, whether they're active, you know, but a lot of them are. And and you can um, you can really do a lot to build your credibility on there. Uh, I mentioned it before that when they're vetting you out, when they're doing the research, you know, go go make two hundred phone calls and then go watch LinkedIn and see if your profile views spike. And they do. And so it's the reason is because they were going to go check you out if they have any interest at all. And so you need to represent yourself the same way on LinkedIn as you do uh, when you're making phone calls, cold calls, whatever. Tom, one of the things you mentioned that made me think about it is you also need to think through what's my social to take action conversion path. Um, if I'm doing advertising on social media, I can have a response vehicle right there. If I'm not doing advertising, is my intent just to get top of mind awareness of my name? Or am I trying to drive people back to my website? If so, is it for a direct call to action, like apply to a job or speak to a recruiter, or is it for something softer, like get some piece of content, but really need to think through how social is part of a bigger strategy. And I see a lot of companies where social is being done for social sake, and that's not usually very cost-effective. It's, it's intentional being intentional with your social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to, we're, we're just about out of time. This has been awesome. Uh, you guys have been great to talk to. I'm going to ask each of you real quick, if you've got somebody that's new to sales, new to marketing, um, that uh, or is thinking about getting into it, what, what's your piece of advice for them? I'll let each of you talk. Anna, do you want to kick it off? Oh, sure. Give me the hard part to start first here. Um, no, I have well, to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I know, clever. Um I think the one thing is, you know, when you look at the staffing industry, it's one of those things that I wish we did a better job at recruiting talent straight out of school and working with the schools in our local uh, markets to really build up the industry. Because I feel like it's a fabulous career when you're in the staffing sector. You have such a, a broad scope of what you can do. And it's amazing because I've, I've had, you know, nieces and a nephew graduate from college and they never even heard of the staffing industry. Uh, but meanwhile, they're going out trying to find a job and they're using a recruiter and not realizing that that could possibly be an avenue for them uh, to pursue. Uh, the next thing that I would probably want to say is the importance of, of, of your marketing partners if you're on the sales side and vice versa. If you're on the marketing side, the importance of your sales partners to to attack the market together. Great. David? So right now, if I was just entering the industry and starting my career in marketing, uh, I would say two things. Number one, read everything on HubSpot's website because it's really <laughs> good marketing advice and it's all free. And then I would start looking at and following every resource I could on AI and marketing. It, if you're just getting into the world of marketing, your career is about to be changed in a very positive way if you're at the forefront and a very negative way if you're hiding from it. So um, there, there's a gazillion sources, but if you need one that, that we like to look at, you go to there's an AI for that.com. You type in any subject and it will tell you all the AIs that are in your field. Wow. Wow. Very cool. John. Jobs will continue. Who will fill those jobs? That question is kind of double entendre, right? Not who's going to be in the job, but who's going to fill that job. So the good news is, is that I, I see us in the recruiting and staffing industry as having a very, very long runway ahead of us. For someone entering sales today, I'll tell you the bad news up front. It is way more difficult than it looks. Don't kid yourself into thinking, oh, well, I have a great personality. I'll be good in sales. Mm, <laughs> takes more than that. Right. So here's the advice. Number one, choose your tools wisely and do not ever hide behind them. Sales is a contact sport. Show yes. up, 
show up show up all right well thank you all great advice um uh great discussion a lot of fun thank you very much a lot of great takeaways i just want to let people know if you missed any of our past episodes or you want to revisit them you can find recordings of our discussions on popular podcast platforms like spotify and apple podcasts be sure to sign up for our next live panel cast discussion which is tuesday july 11th where we'll be discussing the latest trends in recruiting you can sign up for the next Staffing in Sync, as well as access a video library of our past sessions on our website, staffinginsync.com. Staffing in Sync is produced and sponsored by SyncStream Solutions, the top provider of Affordable Care Act compliance for the staffing industry and Essential Staff Care, the largest provider of health insurance and benefits for the staffing industry. Thank you so much for both of them for putting this together and asking me to actually do this. This is great. I love doing it with people, uh, people like like the group here. And uh, thank you so much for your support. Best of luck, everybody. And hopefully we see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank, thank you all so much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for tuning in to Staffing in Sync. We hope you found our discussion insightful and informative. If you missed any of our past episodes or want to revisit them, you can find recordings of our discussions on popular podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website. To stay up to date on the latest trends and insights in the staffing industry, be sure to sign up for our next live panel cast discussion. You can find all the details and sign up on our website at staffinginsync.com. Thank you again for your support, and we look forward to having you join us again soon on Staffing in Sync. Mm-hmm.